Welcome to another episode of the Loving Life After Loss podcast. I am your host, Marie Alessi. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, lovely people. This is Marie Alessi, joined by the amazing David Richman. I am so, so excited to have you here today, David. Um, I would love to hand over the microphone in a second to introduce yourself. I got this beautiful email from a lady that I believe is working with you and said, I think David would be an amazing candidate for your Upspiral Grief Show. And uh, he's very interested and excited about what you do in Loving Love After Loss. So this is one of the first times that I'm actually connecting with somebody um, that I have never met before. We never even had a pre-chat. We literally just jumped on the camera five minutes ago. And it excites me so much because this will be a conversation where me and the entire audience will get to know you at the same time. So I'm really, really looking forward to having you here, David. Thank you so much. Would you do us the honor to introduce yourself to our audience, please? Sure thing, Marie. And I, I, uh, I'm glad that we did connect. And that's one of the great things about, about what we do um, is, you know, in the last couple of years only, I think it's been okay for um, us to talk about the kind of things that have really been left inside and or yeah. avoided or um, we isolate and deal with them or don't deal with them on our own, you know, grief yeah. and trauma and these kind of things. And so um, somehow all the wires are all getting somewhat connected a little bit. Yeah. And I was really touched by, by your story and, and the, your approach. And so that's, that's why we reached out. So uh, my name is David. Uh, I am uh, a husband, a father of two. Uh, my twins are 24 years old. Uh, oh, twins. Nice. <laughs> twins. Yeah. Boy and a girl twin. Um, awesome. I uh, have a background in finance, but my uh, life is uh, mostly been about writing uh, books mm-hmm. and yeah. um, and guidebooks and other things. Um, sometimes for the financial industry, sometimes in the endurance athletic space. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of nonfiction books. Um, my last uh, nonfiction book just came out not that long ago, um, and it uh, it's a it's a book that I wrote um that that will you'll understand it well it it it, mm-hmm. it um i interviewed 15 different people um who had um experience with cancer not not yeah. necessarily had gone through it but mm-hmm. but had a loved one that got, went through it or a friend yeah. or they were a doctor or mm-hmm. uh, some other kind of professional or caregiver and i wanted yeah. to just like delve into their to their experience and we can get into that a little bit but i'm yeah basically i'm an author i'm a i'm a uh, endurance athlete and um you know a learner of life i love it so when i read your story david thank you mm-hmm. so much for the introduction when i read your story uh the one thing that really really sparked my interest obviously is uh the the latest book that you just touched on you know the cycle of life is that correct mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the one that you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. And in the cycle of life, as you said, you interviewed 15 people who have been touched by cancer, by trauma. Um, what actually sparked you to do that? What, what uh, got you started in, hey, I'm going to write a book about that. I'm going to interview people. And then, you know, even more so the journey thereafter. But we'll mm-hmm. get to that. Like what, what got you started with the book? Well, so when people go through difficult times, they can either lose something 
or they can learn something, they can mm. gain something, they can change their perspective, they could they could dig themselves further into the perspective that they had. I think trauma, you know, traumatic experiences allows us to magnify one way or another. Yeah. For me, oh, um, I love that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. For, for for me, I I went through a number of different traumatic things at the same time. I um I my kids were four. I was going through a divorce uh, mm -hmm. from a from a um, abusive alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, I was overweight. I was a smoker. I was completely stressed out top to bottom in life. Um, and I had just come to this realization that I, I needed to start living on purpose. I, I, I really was not, um, I was really good at, at learning really hard lessons. I was just not mm. good at applying them to myself. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know? I love the honesty. It's incredible. <laughs> and so, so just, I, I just, I just kind of looked in the mirror one day. I, I, I was prompted by a number of different things that happened all at the same time to just mm. go like, who are you and mm. what do you want to be? And I didn't know the answer to any of those questions. Yeah. And at the same exact time, Marie, my sister who had, um, a very grounded lifestyle, very happily married, great job, great career, mm -hmm. great friends, uh, two beautiful children. Um, she had just been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. Oh, and so wow. um, here I found myself at this point in my life where um, I was starting to embark on a journey of mm -hmm. trying to figure out where I was going to go. And during that same time, my sister started a journey where she knew she was going to die. And yeah. it's like, what a reality um, check. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. you know, very, very opposing and contrasting yeah. journeys. Mine yeah. was one of discovery. Hers was one mm. of closure. Yeah. And uh, so we had a lot of talks around that. We, 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 That's beautiful. yeah, we engaged pretty deeply on a number of different topics. And mm -hmm. what led me to, to, to do this book was that I noticed that and I'm sure I'm sure you, this resonates with you. Mm -hmm. I notice when people go through traumatic things, when they go through, um, I've heard, I, I, in fact, I listened to a few of your podcasts, you, you know, like mm -hmm. you were just like, oh, when, when somebody doesn't know what to say or they hear what I've been through, they just go, oh, I'm sorry. And then they walk away and like, sorry, yeah. doesn't help me, but they don't yeah. know what to say either. Yeah. And so I noticed, I noticed that when people were going through traumatic stuff, either themselves or as witnessing it as a friend or as a caregiver, as a loved one, that they're yeah. really good at dealing with the tasks of the trauma. Mm -hmm. How do I get my kids watched? Why I go take yeah. care of all of this nonsense? Mm -hmm. um, how do I find a better doctor? How do I um, navigate the healthcare system? How do I reduce stress? How do I sleep better? These kind of things they could wrap their brains around. Yeah. But when it came to how do I talk to people? What's the right thing to say? How do I, yeah. how do I open up? Yeah. People just don't, they're not, we're not equipped. I couldn't agree that, more. This is right? incredible. Yeah. yeah. I, I so, absolutely agree. It's so, but it is so hard, really. It is such a challenge to find the right words because depending on the situation and time of the day, really, and, and the mood that the person is in as well, like one thing could be so triggering or so nurturing at the same time, you know, it, it really is mm -hmm. challenging because I often get asked, so what do you actually say? And there is no one word answer for me. It was always like the be there and listen. And when, when you said, you know, my sister and I had such deep conversations, this fills my heart because that's exactly 
what I would love for people, you know, that whatever it is that happens, if you're terminally ill or you have somebody die in your life that's really close to you, have those deep conversations. Don't be scared, you know, open your heart and your mind to that and, and be a good listener. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to do because oh, if yeah. you're the person going through the trauma, mm. right, you don't want to bring others down. You don't want yeah. uh, sometimes maybe you feel guilty. Uh, sometimes you have shame or embarrassment yeah. or yeah. you're like, I want to react the way that my heart tells me to react, but I'm afraid of the way people are going to judge me. So I'm not going to talk. Right. Yeah. And there's there's all these things that go on if you're the one going through it. If, yeah. if you're the one witnessing it or the one who is the caregiver, you don't want to bring somebody down. You don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't mm -hmm. want to brag about how great your life is when they're dealing with something terrible. Yeah. I mean, there's a million reasons why we don't kind of engage in those really hard conversations. So mm -hmm. I noticed this was a very recurrent theme when I yeah. was watching people. I was doing, I, I would do like, um, um, uh, like fundraising endurance events, you know, I do like mm -hmm. a 24 hour run or something. And I, and yeah. I just watch people wow. and, and, and I noticed that they were really good about talking, except for when it came to the emotional side, that's when mm -hmm. they really, uh, got, um, totally introspective. They went, yeah. you know, I self-isolated and mm -hmm. I said, huh, like, I don't know the answer to how to start the conversation, but I, I want to talk to people to find out so we can learn how to start conversations. I love that, David. I really do. Yeah. That's amazing. So what I did is, if you, here's my process, Marie. I said, mm -hmm. point A is when they encountered cancer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So point A was either, I don't know, a, a, a middle schooler going to a field trip to a hospital and then mm -hmm. seeing what doctors do and saying, oh my God, I want to become a doctor. Okay. Yeah. That's point A. Or point A was... Um, when they found out somebody was diagnosed with cancer or point A was um, wh whenever they encountered cancer, point B is today. So how yeah. did they or how did they not navigate the emotional, forget about the medical stuff, but just the emotional mm -hmm. side of it in yeah. relation to the traumas that happened before point A. So mm -hmm. like in, in your case, it would, it would have been like where I would have focused my, my interviewing on is, is how did you deal with what you went through when you okay. found out about your husband? Mm -hmm. How did you navigate from there to today? Yeah. How was that influenced by the things that you have been through before? Because yeah. I could never get into your head and I could mm -hmm. never understand what it's like to lose a partner, like mm -hmm. a, a husband, a, you know, your, your, your life mate. I could never understand what that's like, mm -hmm. but if, if I want to connect with you at a deeper level and I understand maybe some of the other things that you've been through or your perspective on life or a little bit more about what lies behind the curtain of Marie, then when yeah. I want to have a meaningful discussion with you about the emotional things of what you're going through, because mm. you and I are friends and I want to connect with you on a different level, then maybe, maybe I can guess, gain some insight into how I might better approach you or how yeah. it might be safe to approach you, you know, it's because if I, it. Yeah. Yeah, if I just found out about point A, I, mm. I don't, I, I, I'm not living your life. I can't be in your head. I don't know what's going yeah. on there. And it's really hard to communicate. So I, mm. I interviewed these people for a few years and really got super, super deep into their stories so that when I told their stories, somebody could read the book and go, mm. oh, okay, I get, I get it. I got, maybe that can give me a roadmap. Yeah. Maybe they can give me a tool on how to talk to people.
I love that. I really do love that because it really enables people to to get some understanding or some tools or even just like a little starting point on how to even start a conversation. Because for me, I always talk about um, the where do I pick people up from? You know, this, this is what you call the point A. That's exactly mm-hmm. the same thing, just a different wording for it. I um, often think about the word loss because I don't really refer to it as a loss per se. It doesn't feel right to me with my spiritual beliefs. Um, I find the word loss quite a harsh word to describe what happened in our lives. I often talk about the soul contract that I had with Rob and uh, yet I have decided to not rename the group when I had this realization because the loving life after loss still is an amazing filter for those people who come into the group because at some level they really want that loving mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. and the loss is the mindset where I pick them up from if that makes sense so I kept mm-hmm. it as such and what you say is just really beautiful and I'd, I'd really love to hear a little bit more about um, if mm-hmm. you okay to share this here what triggered this process off because we went from your sister found out that she was terminally ill that she had terminal cancer Mm -hmm. And you were in a process of uh, really, you know, finding direction in your life, finding Mm -hmm. new direction in your life. And then you went through this having really deep and meaningful conversations. Where did that transformation happen for you? Was that a flick the switch? Oh, my God, I'm doing everything differently tomorrow. This is my realization, my wake-up call. Was it a transition? Was it a slow process? And how did that process then take you to, hey, I'm going to write a book about that? Um, I, I feel that link in the middle is still missing a little yeah, bit. If you don't yeah, mind yeah, yeah. sharing a bit no, more I'll, about that. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll share it for sure. So mm. uh, um, it, 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 there was a book in between that I wrote and, a oh, lot wow. that I le- and then a lot that <laughs> yeah. I learned in, in mm-hmm. between. So it's kind of a, a long story, but I'll give you the short of it. And that is that um, when I got on this journey of transformation and, and, and trying to become aware of who I was and living on purpose, I started yeah. entering the world of endurance athletics. And so um, to get from, and I was in my late thirties before I started doing mm-hmm. anything athletic, but I just yeah. started saying, okay, I, I want to do things on purpose. And what I, what I came to the realization was, is that, and, and a lot of people can identify w- with this. I know a lot of guys can identify with this mm-hmm. in that um, we oftentimes live our lives uh, trying to please others and, or fix problems for others, or we do things because we think that that's what we're expected to do to be a good husband or a good wife or a good employee or a good parent. Like, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do because that's the way somebody's going to view it. And we don't, you know, I I think a a lot of people, we don't um, put ourselves first in the equation. We're kind of outside of the equation, Um, you know, and, and I found myself I'm always trying to solve problems, always trying to fix things, always trying to find approval or get, get, um, you know, um, um, uh, you know, somebody to say, Oh, you're doing the right thing. Mm. Meanwhile, I didn't, I didn't know what I thought. Right. And, and that's what I was on the journey to do. So, so where, um, where that really started, where that link started was, was that I, when I took a look in the mirror, I said, I, I had to be honest with myself. It's yeah. really hard to do, especially later in life, is to really be honest with yourself and say, mm-hmm. okay, here's the things that are good about me, that I like about me, that are positive, that I want to amplify. Here's the bad things about me that I don't yeah. like. 
that don't belong here that I need to work on changing. And um, uh, that's a big, hard thing to do is to take yeah. a very honest approach. Mm-hmm. Do you know, we all know people who are cynical or their first thought is negative or mm-hmm. they're lazy or they're mean or whatever. And yeah, if they were to sit there and really take an honest look in the mirror and go, that's who I am, they might want to change those things, right? But I had never done that. And so I said, okay, honest, 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 who do you want to be? So that was kind of step number one. Step number two in- And can I just ask, at that stage, you were still in that, you know, you were overweight, you were not fit and healthy at all, but you you talk about you're overweight and unfit to going into endurance- Mm-hmm. uh fitness that for, for most people that's a huge journey you know that's that's yeah. not like uh you know you're overweight one day and the next day you're um, an athlete uh cycling around the state no. or something that that is that per se is such a huge step and i, I just want to say congratulations for taking that step to have that honest look in the mirror because it is confronting and it feels huge when you do that it it, it, it it was, I mean, honestly, Marie, the very first thing that I did, cause I didn't want to keep smoking. Right. Mm. Um, and, I, I, and there was a lot, a lot behind that. I had never yeah. tried to quit smoking mm. because I didn't want to fail at it. Right. If I failed at oh, quitting wow. smoking, then I would wow. be comfortable with failing. I didn't want to fail at that. I knew yeah. at some point in my life I, I had to quit, but I just, it just didn't hit me until I, yeah. I, I knew. But the very first thing I did was try to go run two minutes mm-hmm. and I couldn't run two minutes. Even at a slow jog, I couldn't do it. And then I said, well, I finally made it past that. Then I ran a mile and then I ran Mm -hmm. three miles and then I did a 10 K and then I did a half marathon. And, you know, within about nine months, I did an Ironman triathlon (laughs) and I just kept going. Within nine months. Yeah. And I just kept going and going. going. Oh, it's crazy. It's motivation. I was very motivated. Excuse Ah, me. You were just throwing that out there as if it was nothing within nine months. That's incredible. Can you just own that please? This is this is incredible. Seriously, from being overweight to doing that within nine months is real hard dedication. I just want to honor that here. It's amazing. Thank you. Uh, Here's the way I look at it though. Look at, look, when when somebody, I see these guitars in the background when somebody wants to learn how to play. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody wants to learn how to play guitar and that's their, Mm. that's their, that's one of the main focus of their free time of their, mm-hmm. you know, the, what drives them. They're going to yeah. do what they need to do to learn. They're going to practice. Practice is like something they look forward to. When you have yeah. a project at work that you're really proud of doing, you figure out a way to get it done. When That's you want to do the right thing for your kids, you figure out the way to get it done. And yeah. I had never it's really wanting it. That's right. Really you just really important. want it. Yeah. And yeah. so what I really wanted to do is I really wanted to take care of myself because I had never done that. And so if, yeah. so, so the road to doing an Ironman and then the next year I did two and then the next year I did three Ironmans and then the next year I did a 50 mile run and then a hundred mile run. And then I just kept these things going because um, I was trying to take care of what I wanted to do. And, mm. and if somebody had told me, Hey, go do these things. I might have if I was trying to impress them, but I probably yeah. wouldn't have been as motivated. But because yeah. I was trying to learn and mm-hmm. find out who I was, it was very alluring to me to want to yeah. accomplish those goals. So it wasn't very difficult because it's what I really wanted to do. 
Right. That's incredible. But still, yeah. I I love that you say that. I love that. I want to highlight that last sentence that you just threw in there. You know, it wasn't really difficult because I really wanted to do that. And I can so relate to that. You know, it was the yeah. same thing uh, when I quit smoking, uh, believe it or not. So many people don't know this about me, but I used to be a heavy smoker, like quite heavy uh, in my uh, early, late 20s. And the only reason why I stopped, well, not the only reason, I really I really wanted to stop. So I was one of those people who did try over and over again and I did fail over and over again until I decided I wanted to have a baby. And mm. I did not want to be one of those moms that quit when they find out that they're pregnant because I thought then the baby's already there and it's already in my right. body and I've already been smoking for the first couple of weeks till I find out. So I decided when we decided we wanted to have a baby to quit there and then. And then all of a sudden it was easy for the first time in my life. It was easy because I really wanted it. I really wanted to have a healthy body for my baby. And um, so I quit smoking about nine months before I actually fell pregnant. So uh, my body already had nine months to regenerate. And and, yeah, yeah. but um, I, that's great. Yeah. I'd love to ask you also, David, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but I'd, I'd really love to know, um, where so i want to look at two sides of your family here like where was your sister at uh at -hmm. that time of your life and where was your family at because your twins would have been around five years old at that time when you started really getting into fitness into cycling into changing your life how was the reaction of your family your wife they must have been stoked like kids are so brutally honest they would notice a shift and what was their feedback and how was your sister involved in that story? Because I, yes. I don't really know how long you had with her mm-hmm. or what happened there. So, so we had, um, so I was, uh, so I was very open and honest with my kids about what mm. I was going through with their mom. So, yeah. um, so, and it was, it's kind of hard to, to hide the kind of things that we were having to yeah. deal with. So yeah. once we were, kind of safe and and set up our life and we were good to go um we could work on navigating those circumstances and yeah healing them and healing me and you know really i had a great 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 relationship with my kids growing up we still are very 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 close and so um yeah so so that was a that's a whole whole nother side of it but they Mm. they were there with me the whole time and Mm. Uh, really the the reason that I I stopped smoking was because um, when they found out that my, my sister, their aunt had um, cancer, just my daughter just looked at me and she heard maybe heard from school or a teacher or something that smoking causes cancer. And she was just Mm -hmm. like, you know, dad, are you going to quit smoking? Cause we don't want to get, have you get cancer and die like aunt June. And I'm like, Mm. yeah, that's the first time I ever heard that I need to quit smoking. So like, like that day I stopped smoking. I never smoked again. Wow. Wow. So, you know, so, but, but you only hear what you hear when you hear it, you know, you only know what you know when you know it. And and that was kind of like, I told you number one step was looking in the mirror and being honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. I think number two step is in in order to grow is to just free your mind, right? Just forgive yourself. Just let it go. You didn't know what you know today, yesterday, Mm -hmm. and you're not going to know what you're going to know tomorrow. So just, just let it go. Don't be a burden on yourself. Like you didn't know, not agree more. Yeah. Right. You didn't know then, but you don't now. So just do it now, you know, so just do it. But, um, 
my sister and I talked pretty regularly. Um, it wasn't always a heavy talk. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes it was, you know, it was nonsense, but, um, but it got pretty heavy at times. And uh, it was about a four year process for her to mm. go through the surgeries and the chemo and radiation yeah. and all the stuff that she had to deal with during this, this experience. Mm. Um, and it gave us a chance to get close, spend some good quality time together. Um, yeah. But it did. I mean, triggered as you can imagine. I mean, anybody has, has anybody who's experienced loss, lost some mm. way or another. Everybody has yeah. lost someone yeah. somehow, some way in their life. And, and, and they will continue to, it's just a, it's just a process of being human. Um, mm -hmm. it, again, it gives us a chance to learn and grow uh, or, or it gives us a chance to amplify yeah. our loneliness or what, whatever, but it can be used as a catalyst. And, and in my case, I used it as a catalyst to, to learn. To, to, mm. to try to figure things out. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I was, I admired my sister because we had a very traumatic childhood. Um, mm -hmm. and she came out of that childhood, very, um, grounded and yeah. confident and free to love and free to be loved. And, you know, she was, um, she was really a, a, a joy to be around. And I kind of admired that because I was, I had other demons. I had other mm. uh, limiters that I, I didn't know how to deal with. And so yeah. I, I, I wanted to, to, to be close to her so I could learn from her as much as I could before she was mm. gone. <laughs> and so we navigated that together, but what, where the real impetus for the book came was I was uh, now about three or four years into being, an endurance athlete. So I was mm -hmm. doing crazier and crazier events and June was um, getting pretty sick and it was near the end of her, her journey. And, and there was a 24 hour race that was coming up mm -hmm. that was to uh, support uh, people with cancer. And she yeah. said, Hey, I, I want you to put me on a lounge chair. I want to say, mm -hmm. you know, stay out there the whole 24 hours and watch everybody <laughs> running around the track. Wow. <laughs> and it was really sweet. Um, mm -hmm. And I said, well, if you're going to be out there, I'll, I'll, I'll run for the whole 24 hours. Yeah. And, um, and then she passed away a couple of days before the event. And so she didn't get to be there to watch everybody mm -hmm. cheering, you know, raising money and she didn't get to cheer people on and that type of stuff. But I, I was there and my kids were there too, for the whole 24 hours. And I actually that's, do think she had the best seat in the house. Yeah. Best view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did have a she did have a good view. That's the truth. Oh man, that's the truth. I, I never looked at it that way, but yeah, she did have a good view. Um, and we just, um, you know, um, I, that's when it just hit me. It, it just hit me, man. I, 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 this is a recurring theme, and yeah. almost everyone I speak to, before, during, and since then when they've gone through something traumatic or when something traumatic happens around them, they, they have some level of, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to yeah. start the conversation. Yeah. What do I say? And who? Yeah. Do, I mean, it's just a constant, it's a constant. And so mm -hmm. that's when it really got planted in me that I would like to not give the answers. I don't, I don't know the mm -hmm. answers. I'm not a professional, but I would like to give um, the best storytelling to real people's lives people mm. that we could identify with that, yeah. that I could be inspired by that I could learn from mm. and where I could go. Oh, okay. That's so if I ever have somebody and you're going to run into this, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you have. If I run into somebody who's lost a spouse mm. 
mm-hmm. and they're in a better place than I think they can be in because mm-hmm. my experience is not their experience. I think they should not be in as good a place as they're in, but they're yeah. in a better place. I'm, I want to know why, and I want to connect with them on a level mm-hmm. to learn from that and, and Absolutely. be inspired by that. And so, um, so that's what I wanted to do. Shed light on stories, you know, not, not unlike yours and not unlike mm. everybody else that, that's listening to us or could listen to us. They all have mm. stories where they've gone through something traumatic and they, they've they learned something. They framed it in a way that could help others. Yeah. Even if we're forcing them to, to frame it, even if we're forcing mm. that you, you, you know, you do talks, you do retreats and whatever. And you kind of kind of sometimes have to really ring it out of people. But mm. but then when they do, we can learn something. And, yeah. and that's um, and, and that was the driver for me was was um, I, I wanted to see what could I bring to the reader where they could walk away and go, oh, yeah, OK, I've learned something. I truly love this. I really do. And um, I have a question here. Mm-hmm. Is June in your book as well? Did you get the chance to interview her or did that, um, did so, that idea come up after? Yeah, come? so it's, it's a great question. So I, I'll, di- I'll uh, digress for just a second. So. When I wrote the 15 stories the first time, Mm -hmm. I wrote them interview. Well, there was more than 15 that I interviewed, but only 15 made the book and for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. Okay. But when I wrote the book the first time and sent it off to my editor, it was more interview style. So I was giving my thoughts and musings and my experiences um, uh, in a, in a back and forth way, as I was talking to each person Then I moved to the next story and moved to the mm-hmm. next story and do that. And my editor sent it back and she said, yeah, this is not the way that this works because mm-hmm. um, their lives are their lives. They have nothing mm-hmm. to do with you. Um, yeah. And your life has nothing mm-hmm. to do with them. Pull yourself yeah, out of their lives and just yeah. tell their story. She goes, now yeah. your story, you should talk about in a different way. And so what we came up with was a format of, and, and by the way, um, when I was done with the, the interviewing of the people, I decided to get on my bike and, mm-hmm. and go a cycle in a zigzaggy way across the country. Oh. So for, for people in Australia, I, I did about uh, 8,000 K in um, 40, in about 40 days. And, yeah. and so, you know, r- roughly 200 K a day, um, yeah. you know, 41 days out of 45 days. And, and so the narrative in between the 15 stories, Marie, the narrative mm-hmm. is a tiny bit of what was going on with the bike ride, a tiny mm-hmm. bit of some of the amazing people I met along the way, inspirational yeah. stories that happened. And then me processing the the story of my sister and, yeah. and the grief and that kind of stuff. So the, and and the, the bike ride was to visit all these people that you yeah, in that book, is that right? Yeah, yeah. because <laughs> I hadn't met most. I hadn't met most of yeah. them. Uh, I had only yeah. talked to them on the phone for a couple of years, yeah. and I wanted to. I wanted yeah. to meet with them. And how, and how so, did you even find these families? Sorry, I'm I'm digressing. Yeah. I, I didn't. No, 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 off, no, but, no, yeah. no. It's okay. <laughs> um, so I found them, but 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 what I what I thought was um, that that if we're connected by emotion and we're connected by story. Yeah. If I could ride my bike and connect all the people, then we're yeah. down the thread that connects these these stories. So that's what I wanted yeah. to do. But yeah. how how did I find them? Is I uh, I called up hospitals, mm-hmm. I called up cancer centers, wow. I called okay. friends, I called uh, friends of friends. I just put out the word of what the project that I was doing, and why I was doing it. And I mm-hmm. said, Do you know any interesting stories? Yeah. Do you know people that you 
when you hear their story, because look, not everybody's willing to tell their story. Mm. Okay. Most people have an unbelievably interesting life and an yeah. unbelievably interesting story, but not everybody's willing to tell it. Yeah. Uh, not everybody's capable of telling and it. And not everybody's aware of it. Not everybody's aware of it. Amazing. Are, they don't think it's amazing, but you know, to the outside Are you world. kidding me? It's, yeah. it's brilliant because every single yeah. person I spoke to said, oh, my story's not that interesting. I don't know what you yeah. want to talk to me. And yeah. in fact, when my editor told me to take my myself out of their stories and, and write my story in between, I went, oh, my mm. story's not that interesting. She's like, yeah, mm. that's that's it, right? Because we, yeah. we don't think that. But when I did I put out the word that I needed interesting, evocative, diverse um, stories where people could have a wide range of emotional responses to what they were going through. They had different traumas in the background, you know, abuse, abandonment, drug addiction, whatever, that mm. would affect their ability or their inability to navigate the emotional side of this thing. Um, yeah. Uh, I just, I just called through um, just lead after lead after lead. And I just kept digging and digging and digging for the mm. more interesting stories. And when I found a bunch that I thought would fill in kind mm. of all of the um, sections of life I was looking for different in ages yeah. and different emotions or whatever, um, I just started talking to them and, yeah. and uh, um, some people weren't able to talk very deep. Um, mm. Maybe I wasn't equipped to talk to them in a, in a very mm -hmm. deep way. But the other uh, 15 people, the ones that made the book, we got very deep and very, very personal mm -hmm. and very yeah. insightful. And um, they multiple times, multiple times each person during our interview, uh, we touched on areas that they told, they were make sure to tell me that they hadn't ever talked to anybody about. Yeah. And that was where the real beauty of the stories lied. I can only imagine. Mm -hmm. David, I can certainly say that I will read your book. I really want to read it. Now, yeah. everything that I heard about, I would really, really love to read your book. And uh, the time goes so fast when you've got such amazing stories uh, to share. Oh, my so gosh, I know. We I, are I, already at the end of our interview. However, how I is want that happening so quick? I know. I know. <laughs> it's like, hold on. Why? How did half an hour pass so quickly? Um, but what I would like you to leave us is how can people connect with you? How can people find your book, your books, sure. actually? I would love to invite you to come into our group and maybe even go straight to the interview, leave your links there where people can connect with you, find mm -hmm. you. Um, so we're not going to waste time sharing that now. Uh, we will share them underneath the interview. So I would love to see if there's anything that you would like to leave our audience with before we conclude the interview today. Well, I mean, uh, look, we know this, right? Because we've lived it and everybody mm -hmm. has lived it, but it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a different thing when you're on a purpose to try to help people get through this dynamic. And this dynamic yeah. is one that I hear you talk about. I've listened to quite a few of your, your, your podcasts and yeah, it's this you. thing of, yeah, it's this thing of, you just don't know what people have gone through or what they're going through. Yeah. And we oftentimes come to a situation where we assume somebody should feel a certain way, or we mm. think we know what they need to hear, mm. or we think we know how we would feel. So we put that on them mm. and like, we just don't know. And what yeah, you said yeah. very, very early on in our talk is giving people a safe place to listen. Mm. I think um, what I learned in this book and what I think people would learn if they read it is there's so much truth and so much meat behind that thought of you never know what people have been through yeah. or what they've gone through that 
um, really don't be afraid to ask wrong questions. Don't be afraid mm -hmm. to say the wrong thing. Don't be afraid to that. show your empathetic side. Um, yeah. You know, that that's what I would say is that it, it, and I'm not trying to be preachy, but I'm just saying that that, yeah, if you want to connect preach with people, it. Yeah, preach yeah, it. No, <laughs> yeah, but if you want to connect mm -hmm. with people in a meaningful way, I think the the start of that is to just find a safe, authentic, connective place to listen to each other and yeah. to talk as real, real connective human beings. That's that's mm -hmm. the start. I guess that's what I would leave people with. Thank you so much. I really, really love that as as final words here because I. I couldn't agree more. You know, we all need to have these conversations, no matter how uncomfortable it might feel at first. But at the end of the day, I feel we always end up with so many gifts in our hearts, you know, when we do open up, when we do have these conversations. So I couldn't agree more. I couldn't thank you more for your time here, David. Mm -hmm. I am really grateful that we connected. And I would really love to get your book. I can't wait to um, get your link. So we will share how mm -hmm. you can connect with david in the comments below so watch out for that and with that being said i just want to say thank you so much for your time here today thank you for everything that you shared and everybody at home listening to this feel free to share this interview with anybody you feel can be inspired by that and this is marie and david signing off thank you so much for being here bye for now Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show and you would like to find out more about Loving Life After Loss, please visit mariealessi.com. I shall see you next week. Bye.